Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Buffalo Zone, Dave Leventhal, editor-in-chief at Raw Story. Dave, uh, good morning. Happy Sunday. And, and same to you, Joe Beamer. And we should say, I call this the Dave Leventhal effect. The last three times you've been on Hardline, the Sabres have won the day before. I mean, it, it's clearly because of that. So I'll, I'll, I'll take full credit. <laughs> I think so. Uh, let's get right into it. And let's start with uh, something that, you know, uh, next to the Murdaugh trial seemed to get a lot of the uh, attention on the cable news networks this week. And that is uh, Merrick Garland uh, talking with Senate uh, what was that all about, Dave, and did we learn anything? Yeah, so it was a Senate hearing and then quite a high-drama one, too, as you might expect. It had major partisan overtones and undertones, and Republicans uh, on the Senate panel in particular pressed him over the Hunter Biden investigation that's taking place uh, out in Delaware. And the bottom line there was that Merrick Garland said, look, I am not going to get involved. It's all going to be up to the U.S. attorney and that particular jurisdiction. And he basically just kind of put his hands up and said, don't blame me, regardless of how it goes. I am staying out of it on purpose. And it really underscores, Joe, just the political sensitivity, regardless of who is president, regardless of what party is in power when it comes to Department of Justice investigations of any sort, but particularly when it involves somebody who is very much in the political sphere, like the son of a president of the United States, in this case, Joe Biden and his son, Hunter. So uh, Hunter Biden has lots of troubles that uh, are dogging him right now, this just being one of them. And uh, we'll see ultimately where this goes. But again, uh, just to to reiterate here, uh, Merrick Garland saying to everyone in a public forum, nope, this is not going to be driven by me. It's going to be driven by somebody arm's length away from me. Another uh, another thing that has been getting a ton of attention, I would say, ever since uh, the inauguration of Joe Biden, Dave, and that was this uh, his push for loan forgiveness uh, took another. Uh, what do you want to say? Took another strike at the um, Supreme Court this week. Yeah. And, you know, uh, a, a hearing there, too, uh, uh, the oral arguments taking place uh, before the Supreme Court. And, and everyone always tries to read into the uh, the back and forth that takes place among the lawyers and the justices of the Supreme Court. The conservative justices were very skeptical, at least in their words, when it came to uh, believing that or indicating that, that this was something that was going to stand constitutional muster and whether the president of the United States actually had the power or his administration to forgive loans, to wipe them away that are already on the books. And one big question coming out of this is whether the Supreme Court, if it ultimately decides to 
strike down Joe Biden's plan to forgive these loans, if it's just going to be a narrow decision that focuses on that, or if it's going to be something that is wider reaching, that would speak to executive powers, that would speak to the president of the United States' ability, be that Joe Biden or whoever the next president is, to uh, go ahead and make uh, decisions that may, in the opinion of the courts, go beyond the separation of powers uh, among the judiciary, Congress, and the executive branch. So we, we don't have, nobody has a crystal ball, nobody can predict exactly where this is all going to go, and the nine justices themselves are going to be the ultimate arbiters of that. But definitely uh, some high drama, and particularly if you are one of the people who uh, may may have a five or six figure student loan debt uh, on your own personal books. Very, very interested in the outcome of this case. Yes, for sure. And uh, that's another one, Dave. You know, I, I say there's things that usually will come back and we'll talk about again. Uh, loan forgiveness is one of those. George Santos is one of those, Dave. It's to the point now where I just ask you, what happened this week in the saga of George Santos? I mean, the better question might be what didn't happen in the saga of George Santos. Another week goes by, new lies uh, are stated, new lies are discovered, more drama involving his uh, past, his present, and his future. One little snippet that we reported at the Raw Story is that the Federal Election Commission is again on his case for basically just running a non-operation campaign operation, doesn't have any of the proper uh, people in place doesn't have a treasurer who may or may not exist, which is problematic when you are trying to raise money for your reelection campaign, which George Santos may or may not have in 2024. So it just, you know, he, he went on uh, a show recently and uh, effectively acknowledged that he had, had lied just routinely in the past uh, and, and sort of just called uncle on that. But uh, the the drama continues, and one thing that also happened this week on the George Santos front is that the uh, House Ethics Committee has said that it's uh, going forward with uh, an investigation, but that also, too, is kind of up in the air as to what that will result in, in part because this committee has a way of uh, going on and on for months or even years before making a decision, and there could potentially be criminal investigations that would supersede anything that Congress, the U.S. House, intramurally is doing, uh, which is notable because the House Ethics Committee would have the potential power to censure or even remove George Santos. It's incredibly rare for Congress to remove one of its own, a duly elected member, but there is historical precedent, and you have to go back about two decades to Representative Jim Traficant, if you remember him from Ohio, a Democrat who got kicked out of Congress because of rank illegalities that he was involved in. So keep uh, keep an eye on George Santos. He's saying he's not going to leave. And so long as he's there, well, we're probably going to have more drama, Joe. Yeah, Dave, and a story that broke, uh, I think two weeks, I might be two weeks late to this one, but uh, another congressman, Andy Ogles, uh, it's now been... Um, it's now been discovered by News Channel 5 in Nashville uh, that he lied about his college transcript. Yeah, and, uh, and not a probably George Santos-level infraction here uh, or allegation of one, if true, but at the same time is also going to, to make the headlines in the way that uh, it did then because of George Santos, at least, 
in part. Everyone's radar seems to be uh, finely tuned uh, to uh, politicians who have uh, lied their way potentially into office or misrepresented themselves while on the campaign trail. So Ogles is another one who's going to be likely in the uh, spotlight for all the wrong reasons as a result of uh, things that he may have, again, misrepresented uh, while on the campaign trail. Uh, Dave, the FBI and the Energy Department this week said that they believe the that COVID started as a lab leak theory, uh, but the debate is still on in D.C. Yeah, the debate is very much still on, and, and here's why. There are no fewer than a half a dozen different government agencies or entities that are simultaneously conducting investigations into this question. Ultimately, where did COVID-19 come from? Was it something that was a naturally occurring situation, which is quite plausible because that's how viruses mutate, that's how they work. But at the same time, too, there is the possibility, and this is the latest government agency or entity to to say so, that there could be another explanation for this. They labeled the Department of Energy their findings low confidence. It's not definitive. But it definitely casts a whole lot of, uh, you know, new energy, if you will, onto the idea that this was not a naturally occurring phenomenon. Bottom line is the federal government has come to no consensus conclusion uh, on this. And it still may be months or years before they do if they ultimately ever do. And uh, we wouldn't be surprised, Joe, if in the coming weeks or months there may be another headline or another report with another government agency coming to a same or, for that matter, a different conclusion, and, uh, and, and this debate will rage on. And Dave, in the world of who's going to run in 2024, we found out someone who's not and someone who is. The who's not is uh, Governor Larry Hogan. Did I get that name right? From Maryland, the former Governor uh, Larry Hogan, and he used Trump as the reason he's not going to run. Yeah, he you know, did the Sunday show circuit this morning and uh, said, nope, I'm not going to get in. And, and exactly the reason that he offered is he didn't want to gum up the works for others who may knock Donald Trump off his perch uh, as the 2024 nominee. And Donald Trump is, uh, I think, under any circumstance going to have uh, quite a time and quite a challenge uh, from people who have already gotten in the race, i.e., Nikki Haley and others who may soon get in the race, which could be any of a number of Republicans from Ron DeSantis to Tim Scott, Christy Noem, the governor of South Dakota, uh, and and plenty of others, too, who uh, may see this as an opportunity with Donald Trump being weakened relative to where he may have been a couple of years ago and and try to to basically – turn the page on the Trump era. Uh, So this is going to be one heck of a Republican primary, and Donald Trump's poll numbers are going down, and other Republicans are are smelling political blood, uh, which is why we're having this conversation in the first place. And on the other side, Marianne Williamson wants to challenge Joe Biden in a Democrat primary. Absolutely. And so Marianne Williamson, if you remember from 2020, she was a Democratic primary candidate. For a moment, she was really catching fire and getting a heck of a lot of attention and seeming like she could, if nothing else, uh, cause some trouble for some more traditional candidates in the early primary states of Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. But she really fizzled out, and uh, she never really went anywhere at all, never got, uh, in the end, too much uh, attention and definitely didn't get 
any delegates or votes that propelled her forward. But this is a different situation. We have uh, in Joe Biden a, a Democratic uh, incumbent, and it's fairly rare for anyone serious to challenge a sitting president. But she's going to try and provide an alternative. Uh, she's definitely somebody who is very good at self-PR and public relations. So she's going to be out there. She was at Union Station here in Washington, D.C., just the other day uh, to officially formally launch and has filed her paperwork to go ahead and start fundraising. But uh, it would be uh, absolutely shocking if uh, she was any more than token opposition to Joe Biden. If Joe Biden decides to run, which he has not at this point said that he is absolutely definitively 100 percent absolutely going to do, all indications are that he will and that it'll be relatively soon when he announces. But until he actually says the words, we're still in a bit of a holding pattern as to uh, who ultimately is going to be the Democratic Party uh, standard bearer going into 2024. All right, Dave. Now, uh, Ticketmaster, uh, you know, has been in the news, uh, but also tickets. And Bernie Sanders has a new book out, and he's actually going around reading the book. Am I am I reading this correctly? He's going. You, you to, are correct. He's going on tour to just sit in front of an audience and read his book. You know, not the whole thing, but uh, it's a book event excerpt. Sure. Uh, So if you've ever been to a book event, the author will get up and do a dog and pony show. But um, Raw Story this week reported and my colleague Matt Laszlo, our congressional correspondent, caught up with Bernie Sanders because we discovered that some of the tickets that were being sold by Ticketmaster for Bernie Sanders show about a book about anti-capitalism were in fact going for two hundred and seventy three dollars a pop with ticket fees that were into the $40, $50, $60 range, well more than the cover price of the book itself. And and so we asked Bernie Sanders, and and Matt had a rolling conversation with him uh, all throughout Capitol Hill as they walked along. Well, hey, you're you're a democratic socialist. Your book is about anti-capitalism. Ticketmaster is under fire by the U.S. Senate for anti-competitive and monopolistic practices what gives here? And Bernie really did not want to talk about it. So you have to read our story for the full back and forth, which is quite fascinating. But, you know, we really wanted to show there that uh, this is a complicated issue. And even somebody like Bernie Sanders is uh, very much uh, entwined with the Ticketmaster juggernaut uh, for events such as this. Bernie basically said, hey, I-, I can't say anything. Talk to my publisher. This is not me. This is not doing it. But, you know, he also had the choice to to engage in this type of activity and event that, you know, big ticket events at big venues uh, selling a book that uh, he hasn't said one way or another whether he's going to pocket the proceeds, donate them. He's done both in past uh, instances with books that he's written, although recently he has pocketed the proceeds and not donated the proceeds to charity from these types of, uh, of, uh, of book writing. Well, uh, another story you guys are working on over at, the, at Raw Story. I got to hear about this. It's uh, Bruce Springsteen, some axe throwing, which, Dave, I'm actually, uh, you know, they have axe throwing now at Lasertron. So you, you can axe throw just about anywhere in a, way, in a rage room. This is a senator's reelection bid? Oh, it, it, it very much is. So first of all, I, I got to say, uh, you know, if there was axe throwing at, uh, at uh, Lasertron when, when I was growing up uh, in the Buffalo area, then. We, we may not be having this conversation right now because I, I have a feeling uh, I, I might not be here, but a uh, very good thing. But anyway, the situation here is that Bob Casey is a senator from uh, from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a pretty purple state. We saw that in the last go around with the midterm elections. 
He is uh, pretty much at the vanguard, I would say, here in 2023 of doing creative political fundraisers. You know, it's just not enough anymore, Joe, to have a rubber chicken dinner here in Washington, D.C. You got to get innovative. So he is having uh, two very interesting fundraisers. One is going to be a Bruce Springsteen concert, which will be an exclusive uh, opportunity to watch Bruce Springsteen, the boss, with Bob Casey sitting up, uh, you know, in, in their box or wherever they're going to be. But the other one is at an axe throwing venue that also has, yes, as you mentioned, a rage room where you can go in with a bat or a crowbar and and bash the heck out of uh, printers or computer monitors or whatever your heart desires and going to pay uh, money to Bob Casey's campaign in order uh, for the privilege to do it. So, you know, I know politics drives people crazy oftentimes and it it may, uh, you know, stoke fire and rage within you well this will be an opportunity to, to really put that into action if nothing else well dave next time you're in buffalo uh we'll have to go check out the uh lasertron axe throwing room it's on the other side of lasertron so you won't get the two uh you won't get the two confused you can go lasertron and then go axe throwing or, or you can do both sign me up joe i'm uh, there all right now dave another thing that you and i have talked about um quite a bit on this show and that's um ethics violations and you guys did a story on senators attempting to explain why other senators seem to never get punished. Yeah, we, we did an investigation that published a few days ago. Again, Matt Laszlo, my congressional colleague, and I reported that uh, there had been 1,523 instances of complaints over the last 16 years that had been logged with the Senate Ethics Committee. And Of those, 204 of them were actually investigated by the Senate Ethics Committee, which means that the committee thought that there was uh, enough smoke there to see if uh, ultimately there was fire and that they were going to spend taxpayer dollars in order to get to the bottom of it. But guess how many of those actually resulted in an, an actual penalty against a senator, a Senate staffer, or a Senate official? I'll answer my own question. Zero. And that that was something that that was not only shocking to, to us as we discovered that uh, and reported on it, but to many other people, including members of the Senate, who, who just simply didn't realize that. So it speaks to sort of the, you know, if, if not my words, but others that we've talked to in the good government group, the fecklessness of uh, the uh, operation for the Senate to police its own. And we caught up with uh, two of the members of the Senate Ethics Committee, one Democrat, one Republican, and put the question to them and said, wait, what, what is going on here? Why the Senate is not lacking for scandals uh, of, of all sorts, be it financial malfeasance, uh, the January 6th situation. Uh, I mean, there are many campaign finance issues, legal issues. You could go on and on. Why hasn't anyone gotten punished, even in, in the most minimal level, for this? Uh, the chairperson of the committee, Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware, didn't want to talk to us. He seemed like he wanted to, but he wouldn't. He bit his tongue. But uh, uh, Senator Jim Rich from Idaho, a Republican uh, who served on the committee for the better part of 15 years, he was very upfront. And he said, hey, it's a bipartisan process. We really try to get partisanship out of it. Uh, we have uh, limited jurisdiction in what we can do. And uh, we, we try to investigate these things thoroughly, but also too didn't quite have an answer as to why certain people didn't get in trouble. Now, one limiting factor, Justice Okoda here, is that if somebody – is in deep trouble in the Senate, and they resign, the Senate Ethics Committee no longer has jurisdiction. So they can't push forward with an investigation into a senator 
who is no longer a senator. And there's a couple of instances over the past few years where it looked like the Senate Ethics Committee was going to do something serious, and then they ultimately could not because somebody just simply quit. And Dave, final question. I got to ask you. Uh, actually, I might do two questions. But Siena Research did a poll of New Yorkers. And I'd like to, your thoughts on this. You're in D.C. You're covering all this uh, political stuff. Uh, a majority of New Yorkers, regardless if they're Democrats or Republicans or independents, a majority of New Yorkers say that both political parties have gone to the extremes in the last decade. What are your thoughts on those findings? And would you say that that poll would get the same results in D.C.? Uh, yeah, I, I think you're going to see maybe a little bit differently, but that seems to be a, a uniform feeling across the country. There have been other similar polls in the past couple of years that have definitely uh, indicated that people feel as if both political parties are definitely uh, going toward the extremes, may not necessarily be at the extremes, but are a heck of a lot less moderate than they used to be. And uh, it really just speaks to sort of the age of polarization that we have here. This is not the Republican Party big tent situation of the 80s and 90s. This is not the Democratic Party saying, oh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll let in anyone. And, you know, whether it's abortion rights or, or labor issues, if, if you're a Democrat, we, we support you. Although I would note that there is certain tolerance for people like Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, John Tester, from a Democrat from Montana, who uh, ostensibly are either already running for re-election or will be soon. They are they are not liberal Democrats, I think, by any standard current modern definition. But yet Democrats are going to put up with them because they want to retain the Senate and don't want to lose. They have a bare bones majority, so there are definitely you know still political implications at play here that will uh, you know perhaps moderate a little bit uh, the parties on both sides. Dave Leventhal, editor-in-chief from Raw Story. Uh, Dave, I always, I always go over the time I'm going to bring you, and uh, I appreciate you joining me this Sunday morning. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you, Joe. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.